0: We are beginning a new five-part series today in the book of Psalms, and I would encourage you to turn with me today to Psalm 48. Those of you who have been at Faith Bible Church throughout the summer know that we just completed a series through the prophet Joel, and one of the main themes that Joel wrote about was what he refers to as the Day of the Lord. It was the same thing to which Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Zechariah and other Old Testament authors wrote. This period in history that's still coming when the Lord will break through history and do three things. He will deliver Israel from their oppressors. He will judge the nations who stand in rebellion against him. And he will initiate his rule on earth. And it is that Day of the Lord that the Psalms also talk about. And I want us to just be reminded that as the Spirit of God bore along the human authors of Scripture, that when the human authors of Scripture wrote, they actually wrote the very words of God. The Spirit of God has a unity amongst all the different past, all the different books of the bible over 40 uh, 40 human authors writing over a period of about 1600 years there's a unity there and we see that unity even through the book of psalms now remember with me that a psalm is a song the book of psalms was israel's hymnal Just like as you sit in a pew and you look and see those blue books in there. Those are faith Bible church hymnals. The whole book of Psalms was Israel's hymnal. These are poems that the Hebrews set to music and sang as part of their worship. And if you'd go to the back of our hymnal, you will see that our hymns that we sing in the Christian church are broken into different categories. Well, the same thing is true in the book of Psalms. And one of the categories or types of psalm that there is is called a psalm of Zion. And there's another kind called a royal psalm. And the songs of Zion and the royal psalms point forward to that same day of the Lord when Jesus Christ will reign on David's throne forever and ever in the holy city, in the city of God, the new Jerusalem. And here in Psalm 48, we have a psalm that's celebrating Jerusalem. Now, when I read through it out loud in just a few minutes, you might think, well, this is just a song about a city. But it's not really a song about a city, it's a song about one who dwells in the city. And we're going to see that Jerusalem has great glory to it because of the glory of the one who dwells there. I will read the psalm out loud, Psalm 48. You can follow along in your copy of the scripture. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, his holy mountain. Beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion in the far north, the city of the great king. God and her palaces has made himself known as a stronghold. For lo, the kings assembled themselves, they passed by together, they saw it, then they were amazed, they were terrified, they fled in alarm, panic seized them, anguish as of a woman in childbirth, with the east wind you break the ships of Tarshish. As we have heard, so we have seen, in the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God, God will establish her forever, we have thought. On your loving kindness, O God, in the midst of your temple. As is your name, O God, so is your praise to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is full of righteousness. Let Mount Zion be glad. Let the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments. Walk about Zion and go around her. Count her towers. Consider her ramparts. Go through her palaces that you may tell it to the next generation. For such is God, our God forever and ever. He will guide us. And we're going to see as this city is described in all of its glory and pomp, it's not really the city that's glorious, but rather the one who lives there. I'm a native I won. And I'm proud of my state. And I'm proud of the city in which we live, Cedar Rapids. I've lived in Cedar Rapids longer than any place in my life. And Cedar Rapids is an interesting town because we have quite a growing, diverse population of people who live here from all over the United States because of several large. Employers in the area. In fact, more and more folks who live here from all over the world. And Cedar Rapidsians are, for the most part, pretty welcoming to people to our community. I have a pet peeve. And one of my pet peeves is when people move here and then continue to say what a bad place it is. Oh, I, I have a hard time with that. And I, you'll have somebody say, well, yeah, there are, there are things to do here. There's some trails, but not like St. Louis. Or, yeah, you Iowans, you have some decent food, but our food in St. Louis is much better. And, you know, you kind of start feeling like saying, well, if St. Louis is that much better, I think I hear St. Louis calling you. You know, and, and and I've been to St. Louis, and in my opinion, other than Waffle House, um, it's pretty much just a town. Now, I do like Waffle House, and you know, when you really start talking to someone about why they have such a deep love for their town. It's usually not the city itself, but when you boil it down, it comes down to who lives there, who is there, that really makes it a special place. And one of the things we're going to see in Psalm 48 is the psalmist is talking about this great city. It's really not the city. It's the one who dwells in the city. It's the Lord himself. Now, remember, undergirding this psalm is the understanding on the part of Israel, and it's hard for us to grasp, but the understanding on the part of Israel that the Lord actually dwells in their midst. I alluded to it very briefly last week, but at the end of the book of Exodus, when the tabernacle was built and dedicated. And that would have been Israel's first place of worship that was actually mobile. When it was erected and dedicated, Exodus chapter 40 says that the glory of the Lord showed there. And I can't quite imagine what that would have been but there was an outshining of God and all of his attributes and greatness. That his presence, he actually took up residence in the tabernacle and later the temple. Now, he's omnipresent. He is spirit. But in a special way, Israel knew that the Lord lived amongst them. And that understanding is undergirding psalm 48 and as we come to psalm 48 we find the psalmist just overflowing with gratitude and praise to the Lord for the great city of Zion and remember Zion in the Old Testament either refers to the mount upon which the temple was built Sometimes it refers to the temple. Sometimes it refers to the whole city of Jerusalem. And here, as we see this psalm of Zion, the psalmist is talking about the city of Jerusalem. And he talks about how the Lord has been faithful to Jerusalem in the past, but there's a foreshadowing here of what we've been talking about in Joel. That one day... The Lord will provide final victory for Jerusalem and will reign there forever and ever, and the people of God will live in security and enjoy being in the presence of the Lord. As the psalm begins, we're going to look at it in three sections. We'll start in verses 1 through 3. And we're going to find that the Lord... Dwelling in Jerusalem, the Lord in his dwelling place is worthy of praise. The psalmist says, praise him. Why? Because the Lord is the strength and the security of his people. And we're going to unpack that a little bit this morning. Notice verse 2 begins by just describing the grandeur of Jerusalem. The psalmist says, Beautiful in elevation. This place is just lofty. It's considered the joy of the whole earth. It's such a grand, lofty, high city. It's considered the city of the great king. Now, is Jerusalem itself... Such a grand, lofty place. Well, it's not because of some intrinsic value of the city. It's because of the one who lives there. Notice verse 1. It's the Lord's living there that makes Jerusalem a great place. The Lord is great. It's as great as the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, his holy mountain. The psalmist continues in verse three, just talking about what a great city this is. And in verse three it says, God in her palaces in Jerusalem's dwelling place has made himself known as a stronghold. So here's the psalmist's point. The Lord's presence in the midst of his people is a source of strength and a source of security. The word stronghold here, this English word, is a translation of a Hebrew word that talks about security found in a high place. And if you think about the era in which these people lived, if you were under attack you would want to run to a safe place. And there's no safer place than someplace high. When I was a kid, this is not recommended as, as fun. But as I grew up out in the country and we didn't have any kind of electronics, uh, we only had three TV channels and my parents highly regulated those. Um, so we did a lot of things outside, some of which weren't the best. And one of the things that we did is we had an old wooden bridge near our house. And there were railroad tracks underneath the bridge, just an old spur that hardly ever had any trains. And so my buddies and I would um, go to the bridge and one or two guys would be underneath. And then one guy's up on top and we'd chuck rocks at each other. Great fun until we got hurt, but until you get hurt, it's great fun. Well, you think about, if you're the guy on the bottom, you've got ample rocks, um, but the guy on top, if he had enough ammunition, is in a much better place. You can chuck rocks down on your opponent, and my favorite thing to do was to look through the cracks between those slats and the wooden bridge, and if you can pick out your enemy below then you push gravel down on top of his head it was great fun but the best place to be was up high you can look down you can throw rocks down on your enemy if you're down below it's just lucky if you hit a guy with a rock so here the psalmist is saying the lord's a stronghold he's up high And if you run to Him and take refuge in Him, it's not only a place of security, it's a place of strength, military strength. Because with Him in the stronghold, you're not going to be attacked. He's a refuge. He's a place of security. So the psalmist says, we should just be overflowing with praise. Because there's such security and refuge and strength that we can find in the Lord. My wife Barbara and I enjoy taking little day trips. We're kind of behind this summer. I keep telling Barbara we're behind in our day trips. And then she responds, yes, but when we go on a day trip, then we don't get anything done around here. And so we try to find balance. I want to go have fun. She wants to work. And we're behind in our day trips. One of our favorite day trips is to go up to decora. We like decora. It is just this quaint Idyllic, beautiful little northeast Iowa town, and I have a set of things that I like to do when I get to Decor. I like to go to Whippy Dip and get ice cream. I like to eat at the Angry Pickle and order the Wopsie sandwich. We like to go up to Seed Savers and walk on the trails, and they have an orchard in the fall that has heirloom varieties of apples, and they don't mind if you try the different apples. And then we like to walk amongst the historic streets of Decorah and see the beautiful old mansions that are all restored and walk up to the city park. It's just really a beautiful place. One of our favorite things to do is to go to the famous waterfall in Decorah at Dunning Springs. Years ago, you would just kind of stand at the base, but now they have a wooden stairs and platforms that you can go up pretty near the top of the waterfall. And on one of our trips, I noticed as we were up on one of the platforms, there was a crevice in the rock face. And as I looked at that crevice, I saw there were birds flying in and out of that opening. And I thought... What a great place to live if you're a bird. It was awesome. I mean, first of all, you get to live in Decorah. And then, and then if you wanted to go to Whippy Dip, you could fly down to Whippy Dip and get underneath some kid and get ice cream. It'd be great. But then you can live right by the flowing water and rest in the evenings listening to the waterfall. And if there was a storm, you could have an F tornado come through and you could just be secure up high in that crevice of the rock and just sit wow, this is the coolest thing ever watching this violent storm and you'd be safe and secure because you're in your fortress what a great place to live and what the psalmist is saying is we have a great place to live as well And it's really not a city, but it is a strong refuge, a place of security, a place of encouragement, a place of strength. And it's in a person who dwells in the city. And so as the psalmist is celebrating Jerusalem, what the psalmist is really celebrating is the one who lives in Jerusalem. He's celebrating the Lord. He has made himself known as a stronghold. Now, the question comes for us. How do I implement this in my life? How can I actually experience the Lord being a stronghold for me? How can I experience him as a refuge, as a source of security, as a source of strength. When I'm in the storm, and let's face it, we've talked about this a lot here, in our lives we are either heading into a storm, or we're in the midst of one, or else periodically we've come out of the storm and we're enjoying the sunshine but take heart, we're going to head into another storm again. And it's a good thing that we don't know what's coming up next because we'd probably be underneath our kitchen table in a fetal position. The Lord allows us to go through these periods of time where we hurt. Remember Jesus said in this life, you'll have many trials, tribulations, tribulations. But through them all, he, the psalmist says, he makes himself known as a stronghold, a high place of security, of strength. So how do I experience that? How do I run to him in time of danger to experience him as my stronghold? And to answer that question, I want us to turn to the New Testament, And I want us to begin by looking at the book of Romans in the 15th chapter. And we have been focusing in on this, but it's important for us to really take this to heart and implement it in our lives. That one of the ways God demonstrates himself as our stronghold is through his people. The Christian life is not meant to be lived on an island And one of the things that we see in the New Testament is that God chooses to use his people as instruments, as conduits of his grace. If you feel like you are being loved by a brother or sister in Christ, it's really not them that's loving you. It's Jesus Christ loving you through them. If you feel like you are being undergirded, cared for by a brother or sister in Christ, it's really not them. It's Jesus Christ caring for you through them as a conduit. And when we need strength, when we need encouragement, one of the ways we run to the tower, to the high place, is by running to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul puts it this way in Romans 15. Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good, to his edification. You see, that's part of how God works. He proves himself as our stronghold by undergirding us, by building us up through other brothers and sisters in Christ. The other thing that we see in the New Testament is that we find the Lord as being our stronghold by experiencing the strength that comes in our relationship with the person of Jesus Christ. Paul talks about this in Ephesians 6. And in Ephesians 6, He focuses in on the fact that we actually find strength and security in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Meaning that the strength of Jesus Christ is available to you to live out your life. Paul goes on and talks about it here. That that strength, he describes it as putting on armor. And a couple of the things that he encourages us to do is to stay in our, stay in the Bible and to pray. The most important aspects of living out the Christian life is continuing to hear from him as we read the only book that he's ever written and to talk with him in prayer. And in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 17 he says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the Word of God. There is a strength, a military strength that's available to us through reading His Word. And He will teach us and encourage us, strengthen us through His Word. In fact, I would encourage us all, if you're in the storm, if you are in one of these times where you're just hurting, Come to the Psalms and be reminded of who God is. And here Paul says, come to the word of God. And verse 18, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. So we lift our own heart burdens to the Lord and we're praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ. How do I come to the Lord as a stronghold? I run to my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I cling to my relationship with Jesus Christ. I learn from him as I read my word, and I talk with him as I come to him in prayer. The psalmist has said, we should be just overflowing with joy and praise to the Lord. He's our stronghold. And then he goes on in verses 4 through 8 and shows us one way that God demonstrated that he is our stronghold by defeating the nations. Now, remember with me that in our series on Joel and through Joel, Joel talked about a day when all the nations are going to gather against Jerusalem and the Lord is going to bring final judgment against them. And then he will usher in his kingdom. Here in verses 4 through 7, the psalmist is talking about a past time when nations gathered against Jerusalem. Notice verse 4 says the kings assembled themselves. They they, they drew an alliance amongst Gentile nations to come together and attack Judah. Attack Jerusalem, Judah's center. And yet we find that the Lord defeated them. In fact, if you look at verse 8, it refers to the city of the Lord of hosts. And that's a name of God. We could translate it the Lord of armies. He is the Lord of the armies of the earth. He is the Lord of the heavenly armies. He is the commander-in-chief. And here in verses 4 through 8, we see the psalmist describing a past time When nations gathered against Jerusalem, and as they gathered, the Lord struck them down, almost, in a sense, without a fight. It doesn't tell us what terrified them so much. But look at the action words here in verses 4, 5, and 6, and 7. The nations gathered against Jerusalem, not recognizing the Lord is there. And it says in verse 5, they saw it. Then they were amazed. Then it says they were terrified. They, they, they were just panicked. It says they had anguishes of a woman in childbirth. I'll never forget the first time we did our first hospital visit as expectant parents. And we went to the birthing unit, and there was a lady there screaming at the top of her lungs. And I was just scared spitless, and I wasn't even going to have the baby. I thought I was going to faint in the hallway. In fact, when we did give birth to our first son, the nurse had to help me because I was trying to help Barb with that he-he-hoo-hoo, the breathing thing, and I started to hyperventilate. And so she just said, oh, just step aside. So here, it says like, there, it's like... In childbirth, scary. And, 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 and it says they were just broken. They were broken like the ships of Tarshish. And in this era, the ships of Tarshish were known as the most strong ships there are. The Lord just broke these armies. Just broke them. Now the psalmist looks at that and says, Look what God did for Jerusalem in the past. And then in verse 8, he says this. As we have heard, so have we seen in the city of the Lord of hosts. Remember, that's that name of God. The Lord of armies. God will establish her forever. You see, the psalmist is saying, God's been faithful. And if he's been faithful in the past... He's going to continue to be faithful in the future. And that verse looks forward to that day when Messiah will come back and give a final judgment against the nations and set up his reign in Jerusalem on David's throne where he will reign forever and ever in the city of God. Now here... The psalmist is talking about a literal battle. And it's important for us to remember today that we still face battles. But Paul says our battles are even more fierce than a physical battle. If we go back to Ephesians chapter 6, where we parked a little while ago, in Ephesians 6, the Apostle Paul says what our battles are, and he says in verse 12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's where our battle lies. And as Christians, so often we forget that living the Christian life is living in a battlefield. And the only way for us to not get creamed is to be walking in dependence on the Lord, allowing the Spirit of God to be in control of our lives. And here, just as the psalmist said he's been faithful in the past, he's going to be faithful in the future, even in our battles. Years ago, I was working with two separate families that were warring against each other. Years previous, two ladies had said some unkind things to each other. And instead of forgiving each other, they built up quite a, a high level of animosity toward each other. And they passed that animosity onto their children, who passed that animosity onto their grandchildren. And so there were two extended families that really hated each other. And I did not know what to do. I, there's no way to solve this. It was generational anger. And there's no way that a peon like myself could just come in there and fix it. Just prayed and prayed and prayed. Years of praying. And one day, the two ladies that originally said some unkind things to each other came underneath the conviction of the Spirit of God. And they pulled aside together and confessed their sin to each other and forgave each other. And literally, the walls came down between those families. And I look at that, and I think about that, and how much encouragement I get out of that today to remember that the Lord is the one who fights the battles. And he can take impossible situations and can work. He can take hard hearts and break them. He has the ability to break through. And here the psalmist says, God was so faithful in winning the battle, he's going to be faithful in the future. So as we come to verses 9 through 14, he's just overflowing with praise. Just like he started the psalm in Psalm 48.1, He's, we have a great Lord. And he's greatly to be praised. And then in verses 4 through 8, he rehearses this past faithfulness. How he was faithful and delivered Israel from the hands of those who have allied themselves against him. And he proved that he is our fortress. So he comes to the end of the psalm in verses 9 through 14 and says, let's just pause. Let's think about Who he is. You ever wonder why sometimes in your daily life you're not, you don't have joy? I find that a lot. And one of the things that I think we need to do when we find that we don't have joy in our life is to do just what the psalmist does here. Start thinking about who God is. And it's almost as if the psalmist puts his arm around us here in verse 9. And he says, hey, I just, I've been thinking about God's loyal love this afternoon. Look at verse 9. We have thought on your loving kindness, O God. And that's that, a translation of that very special Hebrew word chesed. It's that loyal love that God always has for his people. It means that he always honors his promises. He's always there for us. He's always welcomes us. It is loyal love. And then the psalmist in verse 10 says, I've also been thinking about his righteousness. It says, your right hand is full of righteousness. And by that, the psalmist means that he always acts in accordance with his attributes, with his character. That God is always faithful to his nature and to his word. We can count on him. If the Bible says it about him, that's the way he acts. He's always faithful to who he is. And then he says, we should just all be rejoicing. Because, verse 11 Because of your judgments, you are always right in how you deal with people. So he calls his readers to do a little tour. He says, come along with me on a virtual walk. Let's walk around Jerusalem here for a second. Let's look at the towers of the city. Verse 13, look at the ramparts, the fortified walls. Let's look at the royal palaces of the city. And then let's talk about it to our children and our grandchildren. Now, what's the psalmist saying here? He's not trying to brag about his hometown. Like, hey, let's walk around Cedar Rapids. I want to tell you how gorgeous of a tree we have downtown with that demonstrates five seasons. No, that's not what he's talking about. What he's saying is that as we see our city and that it's still here... The glory of our city points to the glory of the one who lives here. That the Lord has been faithful to us. He has preserved us. We are still here because of his faithfulness. And he says, talk about that with your children. Talk about that. One of the things that Barbara and I have tried to do throughout the years, and I'm still doing it today with adult kids, is talk about God's past faithfulness to our family. And when we still had children at home, sometimes I would talk about the early years of our family when we had very, very little children. And it doesn't make any difference how much money you make. When you have kids, it's just like children are a money sucker. And um, we just oftentimes didn't have quite enough money to make it to the end of the month especially in early years of ministry when I was in rural ministry. And there were often times when we would have a week where we had no money and you get to the end of that week and I would not get paid for a few days, we had no food. And I specifically remember one day we we had meat because I hunted. I would take about three deer a year. I'd shoot about 40 geese a year. So we always had venison and goose meat. Now some of you maybe think, well, you still didn't have any meat, but it was protein. And the doorbell rang and one of the guys in our church family just had baskets of produce. He had gone out and gleaned potatoes. He had squash. He had all kinds of produce. He said, oh, I just wanted to drop this off. And when we sat down and I gave thanks for our meal that night, our meal literally came off the land of North Dakota. We had, we had, we had meat that I had hunted. And we had produce that a brother in the Lord had dropped by. And when we thanked the Lord for our supper, we really did. And so I we recounted that with our children. I said, you know, when we say grace at our table and we thank him for our food, we really need to thank him for our food. And we talk and we rehearse how God was faithful here and faithful here and faithful here. We continue to like, it's in a sense, it's like walking through Jerusalem and saying, see that tower? See this, see this. That's how God has been faithful to our family throughout the years. And that's what the psalmist is doing here. He's saying, look around. Start just thinking about his faithfulness. And then he concludes this. For such is God, our God forever and ever, he will guide us until death. What a joyous way to end that psalm. You know, he's been celebrating the city, but not really. He's celebrating the one who lives in the city. And as he looks forward to the future, confident that one day Jesus Christ will reign from Jerusalem, seated upon David's throne, and will reign forever and ever, he has that confidence because of who God is. He's a God who is loyal in his love, and he always deals with people according to his character and his word. And the psalmist says, rejoice in that. Find joy in that. And this is a good psalm for us as we're either heading into a storm or we're in a storm right now or maybe you're in the sunshine and just enjoy it for a little while. It's a reminder when we find ourselves in the storm to run to the high place, to run to the tower, to to start reading our Bible and say, God, please show me as I read right now your attributes, your character. Remind me who you are, that I need to take refuge in you. Remind me of how you've dealt with our family in the past. Help me rehearse those great acts that you have done for us. It doesn't mean we don't have pain. Remember, in this life, you'll have many trials. But how you've been faithful, time and time again. Because the psalmist says, The Lord's here. And the Lord's presence with his people and his guiding them calls for praise. Father, we thank you for Psalm 48. The encouragement we find here in these verses about who you are in your loyal love, in your righteousness. And we take heart. We are renewed in your word And we praise you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.